This is the Cinema for All podcast. The celebration of going to the cinema with Jack Shell and Abby Standish. Welcome back to the Cinema for All podcast. We're excited to bring you this episode today, which features a conversation with the brilliant Chiara Marignon, who is director of content at Mubi, the online streaming platform for a whole host of innovative and classic cinema from across the globe. Before we get started, though, if you're a film fan and you'd like to set up your own community cinema or online film club, after listening, head to cinemaforall.org.uk or get in touch with us to find out how you can get started. We will help you! So, Jack, I got to watch a film preview of Sally Potter's new film, The Road's Not Taken, the other day. Oh, you lucky pup. What's that about? It's about, well, it stars Javier Bardem, who we love, and get this cast, Javier Bardem, Laura Linney, and Elle Fanning, and Salma Hayek, who also love her. Um, And it's about Javier Bardem is a writer, and he's in some sort of chaotic mental state. It's not really shown what it is. Um, and his daughter Molly who's played by Elle Fanning is trying to look after him and it just follows them over the course of 24 hours but there's kind of lots of um, what we could assume are flashbacks or even parallel lives happening and you get to see Javier Bardem's character in these different lives which is it's just a really beautifully made film the cinematography Mm -hmm. is gorgeous Sally Potter wrote and directed it and it I think it's even though it's it's about you kind of trying to follow the thread of you know what's what's real is this his past life is he confused it does a really amazing job of what it must be like for some people who whether they have um memory loss or they have other struggles um what what their communication might feel like and and what their inner world might feel like and how mm. it's quite difficult to communicate so it's it's really beautifully told. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. So if anyone wants to check it out, it's in cinemas on the 11th of September. That's amazing. There's so much great independent stuff that's being released into the cinemas at the moment. I know that everybody's been holding on for the big blockbuster release tenets as if that's going to be, you know, the start of cinema. But independent distributors and producers have been putting films out back into the cinema since they reopened sort of on the the 4th of July so it's a really interesting time to see this kind of independent content out there I mean maybe that's the secret savior of cinema in the UK rather than this big film that we're all waiting for yeah I think there's there's been a few conversations about that that maybe this is a chance to open up a little bit more of the space for independent films and local films and regional films to to get a bit of the limelight when I know that big blockbusters are important to keep cinemas going a lot of the time but maybe this is going to change things in an interesting way sure sounds great but I mean we've been mainly at home I don't think either of us have ventured back into the cinema just yet have we not just yet, not just yet. No. Um, I would like to soon, but uh, I haven't really had the opportunity at the moment. What about no. you? No, oh, I'm waiting for the showroom to reopen, which is going to be just, I think it's in a, it's about a week and a half time at the point that we're recording this. So I am really excited and I think that I would like to go somewhere, somewhere familiar, somewhere that I know, um, I know the space and I'm comfortable with. So I'm excited to get back there. What have you been watching at home though? Well, um... 
<laughs> conveniently, since this is the movie episode, I've been getting my movie on, been watching my movie stuff. Um, I've been kind of revisiting a lot of stuff that I've seen before, really. Um, they've got some really interesting different seasons on at the moment. So I've rewatched Showgirls. Um, Great. <laughs> which is, uh, it's under the Perfect Failures season, which is a really interesting movie season that they had at Southland Tales. Um, a couple of other films that are kind of being reevaluated, but I think that Showgirl stands out as a film that's been reevaluated quite quickly after it flopped. So it flopped, um, and a lot of people hated it, but it gained cult status very, very quickly afterwards, probably as soon as it made it to home release. Um, and it's a film that I've always enjoyed for the comedic elements. It's it's just so so bonkers the dialogue is absolutely insane um and i think at the time maybe people were expecting something kind of wholesome from elizabeth berkeley with her being from saved by the bell and also carl mclaughlin was seen as a very wholesome person at the time as well i mean he is very wholesome but you know his characters were very wholesome up to that point um so i think it was quite jarring for people but it was really fun to watch it again and sort of reevaluate it as a grown-up because I think I was probably quite young when I watched Showgirls. Same. Um, a bit too young, probably. A teenager. Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of those films that you go around somebody's house and they would put it on. It was like their dad's secret VHS. And you'd sit and watch Showgirls and be like, oh, oh I feel a bit uncomfortable. I might want to go home. Phone my mum. Um, I've also watched um, Lolita, which is kind of an interesting one. Um, again, an interesting film to evaluate now, because um, this is the remake of Lolita that came out in 1997. I shouldn't say remake, it's just a different version of the same book. Um, but the first film of Lolita was a Kubrick film, it's a black and white film, and is is actually really, really special, really fantastic. And Lolita is a film... The 1997 version is a film. Again, I think I watched that in 1997. I think I was 14. Uh, so I probably watched it when I was about 14 or 15 and found it quite disturbing. And I think still as an adult, I find it quite disturbing. It's a disturbing book and it's really hard to make it um, as a film that doesn't just make your skin absolutely crawl. Uh, but it's got incredible casting in it. Jeremy Irons kind of at his peak um, when he was really fantastic. It's got Melanie Griffiths in, who I absolutely adore to pieces. So that's been an interesting one to revisit. And yeah, just, just similar kind of stuff, really. I think we've said before on the podcast, whilst we're at home, you're kind of seeking stuff that's quite comforting, stuff you know. So it's been quite easy for me to rewatch things rather than seek new things out. So I'm excited for cinemas to reopen so that we can get to grips with all that amazing new content and that stuff that people have been holding on to to get back onto our big screens. Yeah, I really want to see Baby Teeth, which is uh, Shannon Murphy's directorial debut for film. She's directed um, a bunch of theatre and the film's based on a play. It's got Eliza Scanlon in from Little Women and Sharp Objects. Yes. great, Ben Mendelsohn, who I absolutely love. And just, yeah, really, really want to see it. It looks really um, captivating. But before I get to the cinema, I have been re well, watching some new stuff, actually, which is, um, I, before, like you, Jack, I was looking for comfort watches before then. So I finally watched The Watermelon Woman, which has been on my list for ages to watch. Uh, it's a 1996 film, and it's about an aspiring um, female black filmmaker, and she works in a video shop. Love things set in a video shop. And it's by Cheryl Dunye, and she plays um, the main character as well. And she's researching this obscure 1940s, black actress billed as the watermelon woman that's what she's kind of 
credited as in the films. And she's trying to find some information about her and about her life and what her career, what happened to her career. And it's just a great kind of investigative film. It's, it's great if you love films. Um, I really, really liked it and really liked the style of it. And there's these kind of cool little mini inserts where it might just be her and a friend kind of dancing on top of a building in New York and then it'll cut to like another scene, which just really reminds me of kind of like 90s TV. Mm. Um, Really great. Would recommend. And then I also watched Your Name, which is a uh, anime film, which is on Netflix actually at the moment. And it got a lot of uh, critical acclaim when it came out and the animation is really really stunning um it's about a boy and a girl that kind of have a freaky friday moment and they keep swapping lives um and this earthquake happens and they're kind of investigating that and is that why they they had not an earthquake a meteorite um and they had they're investigating if that's to do with why they're having like a body swap scenario Ooh. Breakwater was a really cool film I watched, which is a short film on Mubi, a Brazilian film, and I'm tr- trying to get into some more Brazilian films, and luckily they're providing many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it. It was only about 25 minutes long. I didn't know anything about it, just pressed play, gave it a go, didn't even know it was a short film. Um, and it's just kind of these uh, six women who are friends talking about different things that affect their lives, and it's really organic. It's kind of the way you would just talk to your friends but it's shot beautifully and I, I really, it made me think quite a lot. I really liked it. Mm. I also saw Adult Life Skills, which I feel really delayed on. It came out a few years ago, uh, independent film by Rachel Tunnard, I think it was. Um, it's got Jodie Whittaker in it and a good, good old good old Yorkshire actress there. Um, <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. I, when, um, when I saw that, the, the still for it, I thought, oh, is it going to be a bit um, Wes Anderson inspired? Um, which is is fine, but um, it was nice to see that there was a lot of originality in the film and it's about this young woman who lives in the bottom of her mum's garden in a shed and she makes these little films. Um, It's got a great cameo from Alice Lowe in it as well, just some really good British actors. I just thought the story time was really, really good and I I just really, really enjoyed it. Would, Would definitely recommend people check that out. Oh, what a cast. And Jodie Whittaker before she sort of became the Doctor and properly popped off. Like, I think she's amazing. I absolutely love Jodie Whittaker. She is. She's great. She's really, really great. I'm excited to see to see some more stuff that she does. And yeah. great that she got the Doctor. Watched a cool interview with her about how she cried when she got the news that she got the, got the role, which I thought was really sweet. I cried when I saw it was a woman <laughs> and she was a northern woman. I had a cry. It was wonderful. You do love that Doctor Who, so it's like the perfect match for you. I know, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I watched Reality Bites, which it it did bite. It was rubbish. It was oh, bit, wow. I think it's one of those films that was probably really good if you watched it at the time and a bit if you were, if you were the age, like... They're like twenty somethings who've graduated. It's got one owner rider, Ethan Hawke, in it. Um and it's just about these kind of graduates from college and about what they're gonna do mm. their lives. Um but it yeah, I just I didn't really enjoy it, but I bet it was good at the time. Yeah, I think reality bites is something that a lot of people of my generation really, really love and it's not a film I've ever seen or I think there's something about the cast that puts me off a little bit. I think I think maybe I don't like Ethan Hawke. I'm not sure. 
a little bit smug. Um, but yeah, it's also got Janine Garofalo in, who I do like, so maybe I'll give it a go. But I think it's one of those films that maybe people remember the soundtrack and the clothes and the era more than the actual content, which maybe maybe doesn't hold up. Yeah, yeah, it's like a 90s dream. Like, this is the fashion now that was happening in that film. Um, Ethan Hawke plays a really smug character in it. Mm-hmm. I do like Ethan Hawke, especially as he's, like, older. But I know what you mean. But yeah. the character wouldn't wouldn't help that scenario for you, I don't think. No. I also watched Leave No Trace. Again, a bit late to the party on that. I know it got a lot of critical acclaim when it came out. Do you remember that one with Ben Foster in? He lives in the oh. forest with his daughter. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so they're living in the woods in, in Portland. And he is an ex-army guy. And he's obviously suffering from some post-traumatic stress. Um, but it's cleverly done because it's not presenting itself in the way that maybe movies have presented it or just kind of one one kind of symptom of, of that um, um, mental health difficulty. Uh, so it's really, really cleverly done. It's by Deborah Granick and me and producer Jay have talked about this a lot, but we love films about masculinity directed by women that just ended up being really quite interesting and I think we can add this to that list <laughs> and it's got this really amazing performance by um the young woman who plays his daughter um Thomasin McKenzie and she just totally steals the show um really quiet great well-told film mm. got some great um got a great scene with some rabbits in as well <laughs> Oh, cute. Unexpected, but yeah, it's very, very cute. I want to see this spreadsheet of films that you and producer Jay are, are creating along the lines of that, that theme. Films we do need to, get that in, we need to get that in a spreadsheet, Jay. It includes Beach Rats, which is great. It includes The Rider by Chloe Zhao. Amazing. Brilliantly told films. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to get a list together. Um, I also you'll like this one, Jack, because uh-huh. you love this part of history. I watched an animated film called Anne Frank's Diary. Ooh! And it was just something that was on YouTube. Oh, and, really? Um, I think it must be like an educational film. Yeah. And I really, really loved it. The animation was really nice, but obviously she's just an incredible person. And what was nice about it was it was kind of. A lot, obviously a lot of it will be excerpts from her diary in the book, The Secret Annex, but it was great to see it as an animated film because you could see her operate as this kind of um, ferocious and intelligent young woman and mm. kind of what that looked like in her scenario, which I thought was really, really cool. So rather than it being the story told, I know her diaries are from her point of view, but just seeing her operate in that, um, in that setting was really, really great. And obviously it's devastating, but, um, also she's she's just very inspirational. Yeah. That sounds incredible. Like, um, yeah, as you know, I'm a bit obsessed with Holocaust cinema and just the concept of trying to record, on screen something so devastating and and um just impossible to depict in in a way using actors so it's really interesting that it's an animation and i think um we just live in such a bizarre time at the moment where people are forgetting about these things people very tragically the survivors are, are their generation is starting to die off um and there's less people to bear witness to these awful things that happened and then you see these 
very bizarre things that are happening at the moment, like these um, TikTok content creators making very strange content surrounding the Holocaust, quite bizarre and offensive content. So it, it is quite important to me and I think to the world that really fantastic content exists out there that explores the content, that really shows the human humanity of the victims, really shows people's individual stories um and obviously Anne Frank is the most famous one of those but it just goes to show that you can't stop we, we can't stop creating this um because we need people to understand and to respect it and to go about it in a respectful way absolutely yeah totally agree and it it, it completely puts the the humanism at the forefront and that personal story really does um make that echo of that history really really strong and it should be yeah it should be really strong so yeah I, I, I was I felt very uh grateful that someone made that and that we got to watch it which was great amazing on on a on a um kind of uplifting film note we watched I, I watched a film called how to build a girl which is um about oh, yeah. Moran's story when she was 16 writing for um, a music magazine, her first journalistic job, and she grew up in Wolverhampton on a council estate. Hey. Got loads of brothers and sisters, but she's this amazing writer, and she still she still writes now. Um, but and you might have seen the TV show Raised by Wolves, which I loved, and I can't believe it got cancelled. Mm. But this has got Beanie Feldstein playing her as a character, um, characterized version of uh, Catelyn Moran called Johanna. Um, and she does she does a good job with the Wolverhampton accent, which is I I even find hard as someone from the UK. It is it is a tough accent. One of my best friends is from Wolverhampton, and it is it is a tough little enclave of an accent. But yeah, I'm just I'm desperate to hear it. I really am. Yeah, yeah. I think I think um, I think it, sometimes it's not like the most incredible accent but it's still it's still there but other times you're like how have you done that that's amazing that you can do that accent um but she worked in a shop um for the to research for the role and just to get an idea of what like Wolverhampton life was like so she worked wow. in a shop for like um a month or so I think without being detected <laughs> wow that is yeah. that is very exciting that's super cool I think um I think we've talked a lot in the series about what it's like to be working class gals like we are and what it's like to not really see yourself reflected on screen and obviously that's true of very many people and very many different backgrounds and ethnicities and disability status and sexuality it's 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 true for lots and lots of people um but I think we've talked about quite a bit what it means to us when we see a working class life depicted and for me a Midlands one which is is quite exciting so yeah I'm looking forward to that and I will be taking notes about this accent you know I'm really into accents so. totally totally <laughs> I, I, you're right it was it was great to see um this kind of working class story just told really well and they've captured it just as well as they did in Raised by Wolves TV show which again if you can get that watch, get it watched. So good. Um, but yeah, so I've been watching quite a bit. You have, haven't you? You've put me to shame. You've, you've, <laughs> you've done really well and you've viewed lots and lots of different types of stuff as well. So so that's that's pretty cool. But yeah, hopefully by the, next by the time we're recording the next episode, maybe we'll have been to a cinema. We may have been dipped our toe back into it. I do really, really miss it. <laughs> it's hard. It's such an... It's such an easy activity. When you're feeling sad, 
when you're feeling happy, when you're feeling tired. It just fits so many moods. And I think we've all probably dealt with feeling extremely restless during lockdown. And there's certain things that we can do to burst out of how you're feeling. You can go for walks, you can call a friend. But connecting with stories from all, all the way around the world in that kind of setting, that big setting where you can't mess on your phone and you can't just pause it and make a cup of tea it's it's completely different kind of attention um and I think that we're all probably really missing that and can't wait for it to come back totally it is really helpful for your attention and I just miss it all I miss the crazy carpets the smell of the popcorn the way the mm. sound changes when you walk into the screen because obviously it's soundproofed everything 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 the trailers even the adverts <laughs> Even the adverts. Even wow. the adverts at this point. Amazing. Maybe I'll regret that when I go back. <laughs> yeah. Retract that statement. Definitely. <laughs> so a couple of weeks, producer Jay and Abby got to sit down over Zoom with Chiara Marignon, who's the director of content at Mubi. And they must have been busier than ever during lockdown because so many of us have been enjoying film at home and been making the most of those Mubi accounts. So we're super grateful for her time. We're all huge fans of movie here at Cinema for All, as you might be able to tell from all the previous episodes when we've talked about them so lovingly. Um, and we were intrigued to know more about how they found their curatorial style of programming films, as well as what passion and beliefs led them to their film choices and creating really exciting online cinematic worlds for us to all enjoy. Hey, Abby. So obviously over the past few months, we've been spending a lot of time watching films at home. And I don't know about you, but um, I've been using a lot of streaming services. Um, one of the ones that I've used loads, um, which seems to really cater for the sort of films that I like, is Mubi. Yeah, you love Mubi. In fact, we all we all love Mubi, but I feel like it's your your absolute um, soulmate. It's my jam. <laughs> Definitely, because because it's handpicked cinema. And there's only 30 films at a time, isn't there? So that makes it a little bit easier about what to pick so you're not overwhelmed with loads of stuff. And each film only lasts um, 30 days, so you have a limited time to watch it and a new film gets added as one gets taken away, which is really cool. So there's always plenty to watch, but you can make a bit of a decision uh, a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a good system um, that really forces you to... Um, push yourself and challenge yourself um, and also it's a great tool of discovery it, it's great in so many ways um, totally and and we really want to know a bit how how do you make a streaming service like that how how do you not just chuck in a load of content your approach is, has got to be a bit different from the likes of Netflix or Amazon Prime or something like that so we thought that the best way to find out a bit more about this was to speak to someone at Mubi. So we had a had a really nice chat with Chiara Marignon, who's Mubi's director of content, and she told us a little bit more about their approach. Yeah, as you know, our model is um, based on the addition of one new film every day, and that makes for a very compact and limited selection of 30 films available at any given time. Um which means then that every film stays only for 30 days. So, so yeah, it's, it's incredibly limited and, and, and that, um, has, um, a huge impact on, on our process because, um, very sadly, we spend more time saying no to things than we, 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 we say that saying yes. Um, so a lot of things that, that we like and think, um, 
should have an opportunity to connect with an audience in the end are um, left outside of, 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 of the program. Um, cause just, yeah, cause the very nature of it, um, doesn't allow. Uh, but, um, but on the bright side, it's of course a, a, a beautiful space to, 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 to champion, uh, voices of cinema that, that we think, um, deserve, um, more attention or, or, or recognition or are just starting out or, um, or have been forgotten. Um, there are like a lot of multiple reasons why, by which a film, um, lands on, on, on our program. But mostly there is, um, there is a, a main criteria of, of, of quality, I would say, that it's behind, um, um, every one of our choices. Movie places a huge importance on contextualising film and exploring the history of cinema. In this sense, it approaches film in a similar way to how we'd approach literature or visual art. The nature of the platform encourages us to think about films as works of art. Another thing that is um, very important for us is um, um, to put things in context uh, and to to um, understand this idea that the, the films are not made in a vacuum and there's a whole tradition of, of and a whole history of cinema um, where things uh, fit and... Um, and that's why we put a lot of emphasis on older cinema, like from the very beginning of cinema and, and, and the early years and, and silent cinema and 20s, 30s. Like that's, that's, that's really, that's really key, a key part of our programming and, um, and the dialogue that, um, surfaces when, when you put things, um, uh, next to each other, old and new. There's a very superficial approach to, to cinema in general. So we are, we, we would like to give a chance to people to, to, to go deeper, you know. There is a whole system and structure of, um, influences and echoes and, and, and filmmakers that have been watching other filmmakers and are integrating those things into their own work that, um, that by, um, surfacing the, 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 the work of these unknown masters, um, I think we are we are we are contributing to a better understanding of 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 how the films that are known to audiences also operate, you know. It's one of the main things that I think is really unique about movie is they've got everything from garish cult classics like Showgirls and gentle and emotional tales like Naomi Kawazi's Still the Water and then as well films that are unknown to most people. What's good is it looks at that with utter openness for all of those art forms and all of those types of films, inviting the audience to really take part. As well as exploring the history of cinema, Mubi often contextualises films by using an auteurist approach that emphasises the unique voices of particular filmmakers. We like to explore the body of works of filmmakers um, more in depth, for example. So if we are if we are presenting um, a film, a new film from a director, why not? also try and explore his previous body of work to understand um his journey and 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 just to to delve into 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 those films and that universe Abby I don't know about you but when I watch a film I like to then sort of follow up about it and and seek out articles and see what other people think about it and because often this this helps you sort of expand your own opinions on the film Definitely. And it opens up a, a world that I think is really extra important right now when we've been watching films at home and 
not always together at the cinema where you would maybe have those discussions with one another and let the film bounce around after the credits have rolled. Absolutely, yeah. Um, which, again, movie do a great job at and, and, and they provide so much in this area because as well as sort of hosting all these these great titles, they also provide loads of um, material extra to the film. So they have a platform called Movie Notebook where they'll have articles and, and interviews with filmmakers that, that help you unlock sort of um, the real potential of these films. So for Mubi, the experience doesn't end when, you know, the film ends and then you forget about it. It's, it's all about um, keeping it in your brain and, and developing it further. We also like to contextualize things, um, films uh, editorially um, with a very... Um, rich um, environment uh, that is called The Notebook, and it's um, our online publication, um, which um, has daily new entries. Um, and, um, and yeah, you, you, we have a, a, a variety of types of content in there, from um, reviews from films uh, to uh, festival reports, um, um, general cinephile news, um, analysis of topics that are, um, important at this very moment, like the current debate. Um, we also look at things like posters. Uh, we, we also collaborate very closely with the, with the directors of, of the films we bring to the platform and, and, and very often ask them to, to write an introduction to their own film, um, for, for our, for our audience. Because, because um, yeah, that's another sign that we want to remain very close to the to the makers of the films, and 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 we really value and are very interested in, in their creative process, and would like to bring that to the audience as much as possible, and 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 allow them to connect with the film um, from different um, angles. So, so yeah, the more material we can provide, I, we feel the, the richer the experience of watching the film and movie is not, it doesn't really end with the, with the credits. There's another film to watch or there's a video essay that will allow you to um, dissect what you have seen in a different way or think about it. So although on the surface it might seem that just having 30 films available at any one time might be a massive limitation, uh, in reality it actually leads to a better engagement with film, I find. Yeah, personally, too much choice can be my enemy and I get so overwhelmed. I've just added things to my watch list rather than watched a film. So I really appreciate something like this. Exactly, yeah. It just means that... Um, Films don't get buried amongst sort of stacks of other films, other maybe more popular films. And it just means that Mubi can can give each title the attention that it really deserves. Yeah, that's that's the, the crucial aspect of um, of having such a limited selection, because otherwise, how how are you going to be able to 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 bring films to the audience really like you you can have a lot of films in your catalog and 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 the the the, the volume of films available is what um in theory makes the the subscription compelling because you have so much to offer right but uh, how are you really connecting the film to the audience if 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 you cannot be um talking about so many films at the same time each film needs its own um hand holding and attention and 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 it's impossible with with a larger catalog i mean it's a challenge it's a challenge that i guess um all platforms are are um facing 
because we add one film every day and every film has the same sort of spotlight uh, for 30 days. Um, we see it as a very democratic approach as well, um, by which a film that is, um, let's say, an experimental avant-garde short can, can, can have the same momentum, let's say, of, or level of attention or treatment than um, Hollywood film from the 90s. One analogy that we like to use um, and 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 we think it's 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 very accurate of of how we feel like um is um is the we want to be like the like the person at the video store you know like uh that 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 is able to recommend you stuff like we see our program as the recommendations of 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 that person like of course the video store is, is full of films but he has his own favorites and if you tell him what you like he's going to tell you oh you need to watch this so we want to be that guy and um and um and yeah one of the things that initially drew me to movie was how adventurous some of their programming is in 2016 for instance they hosted a retrospective of lav diaz's films who was a filmmaker that i'd read lots about but never had the chance to to see any of his films because they never get shown and they're not really available in the uk similarly last year they hosted a straubuie retrospective um which again the those are directors whose films aren't really available in the UK. So not only was it great to be able to see these important films, but they had also commissioned uh, essays to help us unpick the complex nature of these titles. But despite uh, this potentially sounding very challenging for audience members, Mubi always presents the films in a very welcoming way. It's always an invitation rather than a challenge. A very important factor for us is the tone of voice with which that we use to talk about the films and the and the filmmakers that we are presenting. We don't we don't want people to feel that uh, something is not for them. We would like to encourage them to to try, you know, and 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 proposing a, a richer, more in depth uh, way of um, of um, of interacting with cinema um, shouldn't be shouldn't be something that um, excludes uh, any type of viewer. Um, we want to make things accessible for everyone, um, while at the same time we want to be very respectful to, to, the, to, the, to the nature of things. You know, we don't want to banalize things, but we want to make it, um, yeah, we want to, every, for everything to sound accessible to everyone, because it is. When we put together a retrospective of Strobe We Yet, um, we are, we are aware of, um, of, um, how demanding these films are and, 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 and how, um, sort of, in a way you feel that they require some, uh, preparation or some, um, um, yeah, the, the, the audience shouldn't, uh, watch or take a chance of these films um without context that's that's why we um spend time uh creating that context because 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 we we think it, they could have the 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 reverse effect you know if 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 you start watching some some of these films without knowing what you are watching it's very likely that that you're not going to it's not going to work for you but um but um but yeah, at the at the same time, when when we are working on 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 a program like this, we are aware that um, less people inherently are going to be um, compelled to watch these films, 
Um, so, so the audience is going to be smaller. But to me, that that, that audience is um, equally important as a as a as a bigger audience that is going to watch. Um, I don't know uh, an Almodovar film that we bring to the platform, right? Um, it's just natural. Um, Almodovar is a is a renowned author and and, and a filmmaker that uh, people really like and are aware of, and and and. And that has uh, been doing amazing work for many many years, um, and 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 when we when it comes to Sorbuyet of Lav Diaz, these are filmmakers that are working more um, outside of uh, of any structure, you know, and, and and it's cinema made in the in the in the margins and 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 from a, from a place of um, sort of resistance, you know, and and. And uh, political commitment. So these things, um, these things are important. And even if less people are going to be seeing them, um, it's it's part of our mission and our DNA to have them. Like the audience that is going to be there for every Strawberry Juliet film, that audience is on movie because of of that. Like that audience subscribes to movie because they uh, count on us to to bring these films that otherwise are not um, seen anywhere else. Um, festivals, perhaps some specialist uh, cinemas here and there around the, the the world, but but the visibility of these films is very limited. The accessibility in good quality even more. But uh, at the same time, cinephiles keep reading about them in in festival reports, in 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 in, in cinema magazines, in 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 long essays, and and it's like we need an opportunity to to connect this audience with uh w- with these works, and 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 movie is the space for that. So. Um, so yeah, we are aware of the of the of the more challenging um or unusual nature of 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 these films and 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 we want to bridge that gap with the audience by bringing all this context, but we understand it's not for everyone um and um and 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 it's and it's um and it's it's natural, but if we can contribute to 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 create some audience for them that's already um um a great thing so abby one of the other great things about Mubi is that despite the fact they're a streaming platform which you might think that um their interests are just in keeping people at home on their sofas using their services this isn't actually the case um they much like this podcast want to celebrate the act of going to the cinema totally that's what makes them really special because they take all the things that they value in the streaming platform about really brilliant films and bringing them to people and they bring it to the big screen we are a streaming platform eminently but um for us the best way to watch a film is and will always be um a cinema so so that's why we've been always uh wanting to keep very close to that um cinematic experience and 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 the theatrical experience um so on one hand, um, we actually became a theatrical distributor, um, um, uh, as you know, a few years ago, um, just to, to, to do the job ourselves. Like, uh, like these films are not being, uh, distributed and they don't have a theatrical life. Um, let's do that. 
because um, we really believe these, these works deserve to be seen on the big screen. So we started doing that. So that's, that's one side of our, of our, um, of our, um, encouragement, uh, to see films on the, on the big screen before they hit the platform. And then, and then Movie Go, um, Movie Go was, uh, was the other big initiative that, that and, and the other big step we took in that direction. Basically, the idea was to, 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 sort of um transfer the the curatorial voice of the platform to the theatrical space um because we realized that um a lot of films are released i mean not now um but uh, a lot of films uh, are were released every week and um and yeah as you said one of the things uh one of the barriers um that is preventing people from from going to the cinema one is clearly cost um, cause, cause we, we know tickets can get very expensive. Um, but the other is, is choice. Cause, um, since you're going to be spending this much money on a cinema ticket, it better be good. So, um, so, so yeah, cost and choice are, are the two things that we identified as keeping people from going more to the cinema. So, so movie go was designed to, to, to break both. Um, so yeah, by, 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 by selecting and handpicking one film every week on release, we would tell you what is the, what is the film, um, that you should be watching or that we think is worth your time. And then the ticket basically is on us because, um, through your movie membership, you can just, um, go to the cinema, generate a QR code and very easily you just go in. So Jay, what do you think is the most notorious age group that is the most difficult for cinemas to attract? Well, Abby, it's got to be young people, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. In our line of work, we hear this all the time. And what's really cool is that Movie Go has actually seen a massive increase in the amount of younger people attending the cinema. When we were looking back at the results uh, of, of the first year of Movie Go, it, it, it was really really um encouraging to see some of our uh, initial intuitions uh proved you know and uh, and to see that i am um, 80% of our users are under 44 and uh 60% of our users are under 34 so so that we are um that we are um reaching a, a very young audience and 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 that's the audience that that cinemas struggle to bring in because because uh, that's a, an audience that is very used to watching films at home and that obviously for which um, cost is, is, is more of a, of a concern. So, so we are, we've, we've been making possible, um, that, 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 um, that, uh, thousands of, 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 of seats are, um, occupied. So, so yeah, I mean it it's been working amazingly and 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 we are really really proud with uh what's with what's gone, been going on with Mobigo. So it's one of our it's one of our favorite things to think about. <laughs> and before we wrapped up, we had to ask Kiara about her favorite cinema going memories. I I was um on holidays um in uh, a few years ago I was on holidays in in Mexico um I was there for a yeah long story for a, for the wedding of a of a university friend and then I I stayed for a for a few days and um 
and I and and I saw that they were playing um, in a cinema, um, um, the Holidays of Mr. Hulot uh, from Jack Tati, and uh, which obviously is a film I love. But I I thought I need to go and see this now that I'm on holidays myself. It was playing on 35 millimeters as well, um, so so I I I decided to go, and it was. Um, one of those, um, I mean, it's not the only time that has happened, but, um, but definitely it was the most memorable time that has happened. The, um, the film got stuck in the, in the, in the projector and, 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 and it just burned, um, in, 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 at some point. And, 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 and the, the, the cinema, I mean, the, the theater was really, um, there was a lot of people and, uh, there was like a collective, uh, a collective, um, uh, reaction that 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 uh, to that moment that was uh, at the same time uh, kind of scary but at the same time so beautiful you know it it, it sends the the it, it was a reminder of the people around you being also alive and reactive to 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 the to the to the film and also obviously the 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 materiality of the film um was was brought to the surface um in a sort of sad and and beautiful way at the same time Oh, Abby, I found that so interesting. I especially loved the bit where she talked about being like video store clerks and making recommendations and having that kind of personal level of personalization because that's something that we all must really miss. You know, when there used to be like a note inside the cover of the video or the DVD, really, really miss that. So, I mean, I always get the sense of that when you go on movie that it has been really carefully put together because uh, this is very boring, but to curate means to care. Oh no, I like that. That's mm. really good. That's a really, and it's something that we have to come back to, rather than it just being kind of a, a a state of getting things done. And because it's got notoriety, I like mm -hmm. that it kind of breaks through all that and is just about well, let's have a think about this film, whether it's Showgirls or something else, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. We love chatting to Kiara. Um, she's a, I've, I've, she's become a bit of a hero of mine actually I think she's really cool and I'm really happy to have her as our online kind of video shop clerk picking mm -hmm. out some great stuff for us that's amazing yeah so go and um, go and rub it through your movie account if it's been sitting dormant for a couple of weeks I know everybody's um, tired and we've got lots on now that we're getting back out into the world but go and have a rummage there's some fantastic things in there and yeah they really care if you enjoyed today's episode, we've got loads of fun and interesting ones for you to go back and check out. So we've got mini lockdown series with interviews and filmmakers and loads of cinema champions as well. So go ahead and have a little look at what we've done before. If you'd like to help the Cinema For All podcast, you can rate and review us on iTunes, share it on social media, or even just tell your friends about it. It goes such a long way. But for now, it's time to roll credits. Producer. Jay Platt. Logo designed by Lydia Lipinski at Thoughts Make Things. Hosted by Jack Chell and Abby Sandish. With thanks to Chiara Marignon, Mubi, Organic Publicity, and Deborah Parker. The Cinema for All podcast is supported by the BFI awarding funds from the National Lottery. Thank you! Thank you.